Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. Blog Talk Radio. Tonight we will go back in time to seasons past, when 22 men graced the rugged fields of yesterday, fighting for one more first down, one more yard gain, one final score which would bring victory after 60 minutes of battle on the gridiron. Tonight we will explore the world of gridiron greats. Welcome to Gridiron Greats Football <laughs> on the Gridiron Greats Publishing and Broadcasting Network in conjunction with Swick Enterprises. We're live from the Wallingford, Connecticut home of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'm Bob Swick, publisher and editor of Gridiron Greats Magazine, and I'll be your host for the show. Gridiron Greats is the only publication in America which focuses upon the history and memorabilia of the North American football game since its inception in 1869. We cover 140-plus years of football history and memorabilia. You can find us on the web at gridirongreatsmagazine.com. We're sponsored by MSB Sports Cards. Check out their website for one of the largest selections in America of football cards and football memorabilia. Check out their website at msbsportscards.com. And also by BST Auctions. Check out their website for the upcoming large football card and memorabilia auction at bstauctions.com. It is at this time I'd like to introduce my co-host. He is a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine. A football memorabilia historian specializing in pre-World War II items, in particular Red Grange, and also Seattle Seahawks items in particular, Steve Larger. He hails from Portland, Oregon, Mr. Joe Squires. Joe, welcome to the show this evening. Captain, wonderful to be here. I noticed I became a senior contributing writer in, uh, in today's show. It is... It's an honor to talk to you, Joe. And it well, is thank an you for the promotion. For I appreciate it. An honor for you to I be appreciate it, one of our <laughs> senior contributing writers to Good Iron Greats Magazine <laughs> with something you recently have written about. And, Joe, I want to lead off our, our discussion before our guest comes on. We have talked about in the past, and we've touched upon, and you and I have talked about privately, different types of collections of oddball football cards and items. Mm-hmm. And in particular, you have a very interesting article coming up in our spring issue of Gridiron Greats Magazine. For anybody who's listening to the show and is not a subscriber, please check out our website, gridirongreatsmagazine.com, for subscription information. And How could you, you, not, be a, how could you a, not be a subscriber? 
an excellent article on a very, very old football game, which is called Ya Lo. What is that? Well, it's interesting. You and I were talking before the show, and you said Yalo, and I've always pronounced it Yalo. I don't know why. I guess, I guess I, it's sort I, of what, like what was it? Mayo. Musical, musical, yeah, Mayo. Mayo, couple of curds. Yeah, I, I remember that. We had it took a couple of years. We had to do a vote on how we we're going to pronounce that. But yeah, true. Uh, like you, you and I were talking about before the show. It's uh, this is an oddball set uh, that I've collected for probably six years. And I was introduced to it, uh, you know, about six, seven years ago, and I just decided to write an article about it. And uh, the, the, the article I decided to write about it for Gridiron Greats is actually predicated on something a little little bigger, where just, you know, we, we all tend to find ourselves collecting oddball, weird, funny things. I mean, I've got, you know, in, you know, I've, I've, I've got drawers filled with stuff that I shouldn't be collecting, but I collect because I find them interesting. And uh, just mm-hmm. a friend of mine and I were talking about the fact that we both collect wax pack wrappers. And mm-hmm. at one point we were just laughing. We're like, this is trash. I mean, we collect trash, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it'd be kind of comical. We were just talking about the variations in the different wrap wrappers of like the shot wells mm-hmm. and this. And I'm pretty sure if we went back to the printer who made – Shotwell, you know, rappers, for example, we told him about the variations. He'd, he'd probably be like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Uh, you know, exactly. you know, exactly. exactly. Here we are obsessing about, you know, lettering and, you know, typesetting and, you know, whether there's a stadium in the background. And uh, I just find it fascinating that us collectors, you know, you know, pinpoint in on one little thing and off we go. And uh, for me, the yellow uh, set, the yellow set has been one of those, uh, as you, you know, as you uh, said in my introduction, I collect Red Grange. I'm pretty passionate about it. And at some point, you know, six years ago, I uh, came across this Yalo set and, uh, you know, and as advertised as being part of Red Grange. So I do a little bit of homework on it and I discover, you know, it's, uh, I, I guess it'd be, uh, what, what candy set is that that uh, says they have Red Grange running? But it's not, I forget, but... Uh, uh, but uh, at, at one point, you know, Red Grange was the vice president of advertising for Yalo, so they have, right. you know, they associate right. everything with this set with him. And, uh, so I just and that's something that a lot, of, a lot of collectors do not realize that he was the actual vice president. And in your studies of that game, did you find out any more information? Was it just an honorary <laughs> position, or did he actually? Do you want to work for total, or? total guess, but I would imagine this game came out in 1925, and we all know how busy Grange was in 1925. So mm-hmm. my conjecture is that, you know, somebody handed, you know, C.C. Pyle a check and ghost wrote Red Grange, the, uh, you know, the introduction, and said we want to promote Red Grange as being the vice president. It's uh, – I, I – Purely conjecture, but Red was busy gallivanting around the universe, uh, mm-hmm. you know, promoting mm-hmm. things from movies to foot powder. I doubt, I doubt very much he sat down and helped somebody design the, the game or, you know, did that. But that's just that's just me chuckling under my breath, uh, mm-hmm. you know. Let, mm-hmm. You know, so I'm sure Vice President was just a way for someone to link, you know, the superstar of the time to the game. Um, right, right, but, right. 
but I, I started collecting, you know, the player set, you know, or the, you know, the cards to the, to the game. And yeah, the game's pretty boring. It's uh, basically you flip a card over, you know, it's, you remember the old vibrating football game boards you had where you, you know, set right. people up and you hit a buzzer and it just started vibrating around and you're screaming and yelling, hoping, <laughs> hoping something vibrates yep. fast. And yep. This is kind of it. You, you set up a, a, a piece, a player piece, and you, you know, you, you, you flip a card and it says forward five, back five, penalty, interception, whatever. And, uh, mm-hmm. and that's it. Uh, and then you score a touchdown and a ball, and then you have a kickoff card. It's, it's a silly game. I mean, I, I mm-hmm. played it, but I started collecting the game pieces and eventually found the boxes, the, you know, the, the, the cards were, were stored in. And then, you know, probably about three years ago, came across the game for sale on eBay and it was the first time I'd seen it and uh, won it for the low, low price of $35, you know, meaning mm-hmm. it's pretty, pretty thinly traded or thinly, thinly collected set, you know, at, at, at minimum. Mm-hmm. But uh, before the show, you and I were well, talking, you said you saw the game uh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. I, I distinctly remember at a uh, show in White Plains, this was quite a few years ago. I did see a dealer that had a lot of different sports games and I did see that game there. I examined it. Honestly, I do not remember what he was asking for for the game, but I did physically look at it, inspect it, looked at it, looked at the cards and the like, uh, but I had no interest in, in buying it. Now, to put you on the spot, what would you honestly think a mint condition set complete with the cards and all the pieces would go for today? You have any idea? Oh, jeez. Since you've looked well, at it quite like a bit on eBay and the like, so... I, and I still look for it, I, uh, oddly enough, but it is so thinly collected. Uh, Two hundred dollars, probably. I mean, it's it's okay. nothing valuable. Yeah, I was gonna, you know, I was probably gonna say roughly one fifty to two fifty would probably be a good range for a game like that. Yeah. I think a lot of people don't realize that if they find it in their, say, uh, great grandfather's attic and it hasn't been touched, they feel that they're gonna retire next year. Um, <laughs> You know, when they sell a type of thing, not realizing that it is very thinly collected and B, you know, condition is everything type of situation with those yeah. with those types of games, especially pre world pre World War Two games, uh, uh, you know, yeah. boxes, game pieces. Oh, and so mine's on pretty so beat up. Mine's pretty beat up. Two of the corners are ripped. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, writing all over it. Uh, oh yeah, mine's pretty beat up. But that's part of the collecting of it. But the I, I, I mentioned this kind of in, in passing in the article, but I probably have 400 of the game cards loosely, wow. and I have I have them all in uh, top loaders or penny sleeves, and then I have probably another 60 of them that came with the game. Well, at mm-hmm. some point, probably about right right before I got the game, I was like, all right, let me let me track these because there's got to be duplicates. Because I mean, mm-hmm. 400 cards, uh, and I started tracking them by what the you know what the top left you know, yardage was mm-hmm. uh, every card I have, I have no duplicates, uh, which stunned oh, me. Wow. I mean, because my cards have come from all over the world, uh, just not with the world, excuse me, all the United States, just randomly and to have no duplicates. So mm-hmm. you're, in all honesty, the thing that keeps me collecting this set right now is trying to find a duplicate card. Just, uh, it's like, well, there's gotta be duplicates out there. They didn't, you know, just restrike after every so single runners. So was it produced as a regional game, and then and then regional cards were placed in the set when in the game when it was sold, or what's what's your theory? I don't know. If any, 
That I don't know. There's not enough information out. I mean, I think this, I get the feeling this game was out for probably a year and a half, two years. Uh, right, right. Red Grange got injured. Uh, you know, he missed a year, and this and this game probably stopped getting getting uh, produced. So, uh, you know, the the instruction manual and everything I've read about it, it came out in 1925. Doesn't give a month. 1925, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, and I've, I've I've only seen three instruction manuals, and all three of them had 1925 written on them. So. Mm-hmm. You know, who who knows? But you know, Grange gets hurt, and in that game against New York, misses a season, and you can see his uh, his his fame probably you know went went down pretty quick with it. Mm-hmm. Who knows? That's that's a it's, a, it's uh, an amazing collectibles as as far as I'm concerned. And again, when I read the article um, that you wrote and seeing that sheer volume of different cards. I was I was kind of surprised because I always thought there was probably I I said realistically there was probably a hundred to two hundred different cards that they produced meaning that that they you know maybe yeah. the next year they produced a different set of cards you know different variation color whatever the case may be but to, to see over four hundred without a duplicate it's just it's just amazing to me and and, and it is probable yeah. that you know there could be another four hundred out there that you don't even know about there could be. You know, 800 different cards. Who knows what type of situation? Uh, silly enough, I'm probably the number one Yalo collector in, in, you know, in the United States right now, which is that and two bucks gets me a cup of coffee. So, uh, <laughs> but, yes, uh, but we're yeah. reporting it first here on Gridiron Greats podcast, yeah. so it could set up the. Second issue I have that, you know, besides people looking for Steve Largent cards here in Connecticut and on the East Coast, they're now looking for yellow cards at the same time. And I say, well, I got a source. Unfortunately, they're not for sale, and he has cornered the market on them. Do you collect anything else? Uh, I'm just curious. Oh, I have. This article I I wrote for you is called uh, The Silly Things We Collect. And uh, it started off with as, oh, the silly things we collect. And uh, as a tip of the hat to, you know, Dr. Seuss, oh, the, you know, oh, the places you go. But I dropped the O. So the silly things we collect. And I've got about four more articles lined up behind this talking about the silly things I collect from uh, Red Grange in like in the mid 40s had this uh, college football you know, uh, you know, you handed out a piece of paper and you guessed the games. You know, the people were going to win that week, and uh, then turned it in. And they were at, at Shell mm-hmm. gas stations. I collect those. I, I, and then top stickers, uh, and mainly the '88 top sticker because uh, it was Largent's last year, and uh, he had several variations in there. Now, I know you collect that as well. So, well, I gotta, I gotta tell you this. You know, you you uh, you hit a warm spark in my hot for the stickers because I have the 1981 through 88 top stickers all neatly put in the top sticker album of that year collected. I I have massive duplicates in a lot of years too. I also have uh, from 1981, they came out with a red border set, which was only available Uh In uh, pin in uh, gumball machines, so you would put a you know a mm-hmm. dime or a quarter in the machine. I think it was a dime at the time, and I remember putting in and getting probably a half a dozen of those stickers when I saw them. People thought I was nuts, you know, see this guy in his twenties 
going into the gumball machine, not getting a gumball, but he's trying to get the uh, stickers out of it. And uh, it took me literally, with that exaggeration, over 20-some-odd years to finish that set because I never really saw it. And, and, and then when eBay started coming out, I started seeing them one and yeah. two at a time. And I finally yeah. finished that set, and uh, so that that was. Yeah, I'll, I'll add. I'll I'll add that the uh, red bordered Largent card from that from that yep. year is one yep. of the rarest Largent stickers there is. Yeah, and and what what I just find fascinating about that about that set was you know there was literally no collector's interest in it until you know roughly twenty years later you know in my opinion because. I never mm-hmm. saw him at a show. I really never, you know, I, I really saw stickers at the show. And then all of a sudden there was a uh, warehouse find of 1987 Tops football stickers. I don't know how many came to the market, something like uh, 1,000 or 1,200 boxes back in, uh, I want to say it was oh, roughly yeah. probably 1994, 95. And it just flooded the market with them. They were everywhere. And uh, I said to myself, wow, I mean, I, I saw them as low as like $2 a box. So, uh, but the the red border stickers, I honestly, I, I never saw, never seen a lot of them. I still don't see them to this day, and it's it's a tough, tough insert, tough, not insert, oh, tough yeah. oddball set of tops from uh, that year. Yeah. But you know, '88 is to me a very nice year too, because again, that that to me ends the the pureness of of football collecting, because then you had the expansion in '89. Yep. And Topps eliminated yeah. the sticker set in 1989, which, for whatever reason, it was it never went over big one way or the other. So, honestly, yeah. there wasn't that many people who uh, wanted to continue to collect them. And or market, obviously, as, market uh, demand wasn't there. You know, so... As I was... It's, uh, it's, as, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. As I was in pursuit of the uh, Steve Largent Master set, you know, many years ago, <laughs> about every... Every nine months, I would find a different variation of this 88 top sticker Largent card. And I'm up to about, I think, 14 variations that I've encountered. But, you know, in, in, the, in the effort to stay one step ahead of, you know, somebody in the master registry set, I'd, I'd start scarfing up boxes of, uh, of, you, know, of uh, you know, of stickers. You know, and they'd come in, you know, seven, seven card sets. Uh, or you know, or wax mm-hmm. packs, and then they came in eleven card wax packs, I think, or was it nine? I forget. But mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, so next thing you know, I'm just buying up boxes and boxes, and somewhere along the line, I bought a case. I have in my basement a case of '88 tops, you know, the stickers, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of funny. Uh, I've got a case of stickers, and I've got a case of '89 uh, large and Pacific cards that are useless, <laughs> useless as hell. Uh, but you know, very valuable to me. <laughs> wow. Again, you want to talk about wow. thin, thinly traded market? Eighty-nine Pacific Largent cards, uh, it, it, yeah, are pretty, you know, pretty low on the priority. Wow. I have friends who vandalized these cards, you know, just to get my goat, taking them scuba diving and uh, you know, and throwing them into the ocean, lit lit cigars with Largent Pacific Ooh. cards, uh, you know. <laughs> so I mean, <laughs> you know. It, 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 yeah. That's the sad part because Pacific cards to me were, were such a unique um, had a unique market in my opinion. And um, oh boy, his name is Casey Kramer who owned it. I, his first name will come to my mind. He he really marketed a, a unique to me a unique collectible for the marketplace, and he did a great job on it. And you know his you know his 
his uh, regional sets out there were, were just so, you know, interesting to me, especially from somebody collecting on an East Coast perspective type of thing. And, and you know, again, I, I will admit, I did did try to find the Largen set back in 89, and uh, you could not find it out here on the East Coast. So uh, it was one okay. of those mail-order deals. If you wanted to pick it up, that was the only way you were, you were going to get it. Well, Joe, I, I, I'm looking forward to your your upcoming articles. And, uh, again, as many people in the hobby realize that there's a lot of what are considered to be oddball, non-mainstream sets out there that people really do collect, and they, they find a lot of enjoyment in collecting those, probably in some cases more so than the than the mainstream sets. So it's, 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 it's an interesting yeah. uh, area of collecting, to say the least. And at this time, I'd like to introduce our guest tonight. He's no stranger to Gridiron Greats Magazine and the football card and memorabilia hobby. In my opinion and the opinion of many others, he is truly a football hobby icon. He is a senior contributing writer to Gridiron Greats Magazine. He hails from the great state of Washington, Mr. Mike Blaisdell. Mike, welcome to the show this evening. Thanks, Bob, and uh, what a what a great intro. That was awesome. And uh, and Joe, you're there as well? I am, yes, sir. One, Always good one to talk senior to you, contributing writer, One senior contributing writer to another senior contributing writer. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> great great to, to be with you, Mike. Often it's been I, a long time. It's not often I have two senior contributing writers on, on the podcast <laughs> at the same time, so <clears throat> this is very good. Mike, I want to start off. And it's a question that's probably been asked of you hundreds of times now. It's been asked of me, believe it or not, many times now, (laughs) is why have you decided to part with a good chunk of your collection, which is now being featured in uh, several upcoming BSD auctions? Uh, you know, great question, Bob. And it's funny, I went to an event last night with some friends and I had a couple people ask me last night, <laughs> why are you selling everything? <laughs> so it is a, it is one of those uh, hot topics. Uh, was uh, it a hobby event you were at last night? Or just no, it wasn't. It was a, it was a friend's birthday party, believe it or not. But, uh, you know, all my friends know, uh, you know, what my, my vice has been over the last yeah, number yeah. of years. So it's great. But, uh, you know, I guess over the years I was really fortunate to have the opportunity to, you know, be able to put together, you know, a, you know, a, a huge collection. Um, you know, when I first started focusing on football cards and, and football-related uh, items. You know, I would purchase anything I could find related to football cards or pre-war football because it was just so hard to find back in the, especially in the, uh, you know, mid to late 80s. You know, my focus obviously <laughs> narrowed over the years because you can't buy everything. And uh, but as you can imagine, over 30 plus years, I had a lot of stuff, and yeah. um, and I really felt uh, you know that I had gone as as far as I could or really wanted to go with my collection, and and the timing for a number of reasons I think was right to to, to downsize. Uh, um, you know, we're my wife and I are empty nesters. Um, we've built a cabin over on uh, or a house, I guess, over on uh, a beach house in Puget Sound. Uh, that we'll be moving to in the in the future, and uh, and you know it's one of those thoughts too. As you get older, the last thing I want to do is have something, you know, as unfortunate as it would be to happen to me, and then have my wife have to to deal with uh, you know all this stuff. Yeah. And and so that uh, there there was a number of things in there. 
uh, that uh, led to that decision. And uh, I'll tell you what, though, the hobby and, and my collection have given me, you know, years of great enjoyment. And I, I feel that, uh, um, you know, I, I'm honored that, you know, the collection is going to move on to others that will, you know, I know get as much or more enjoyment as I have had over the years, you know, acquiring and owning these special items. I always say the good news is I'm still in the hobby, though, and it'll just be with a more specific focus on Seattle and, and Northwest-related items. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think, and I know we talked about this a couple of years ago in Chicago at the, at the National when you had mentioned, you know, I was mentioning to you I was thinking about moving some parts of mine, even though I haven't. Uh, you know, there comes a time with every collector, and especially as we grow older, you know, what's going to happen to our collection? And you are definitely correct. You don't want anything to happen to you, and then your wife is stuck with everything, nor would I want anything to happen to me, and, and Brenda would be stuck with everything type of thing. And it, it's a tough decision, and I give you a lot of credit, you know, realistically for, for making the decision now to move you know, what you're moving out out in the collection itself. So uh, you are to be congratulated, believe me, for, yeah, for yeah. a very wise decision, to say the least. So, well, thanks for that. Yeah. And, and it was a difficult decision, and it wasn't one where one day I said, hey, I'm, I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. It, took a, mm-hmm. it took two or three years probably of, of, you know, that line of thinking before I finally felt I was at a place that I, I was ready to make that decision. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mike, I... I think I, I think I met you five years ago, and just uh, you know, and I'll, I'll forever remember just uh, yeah. Uh, another another Portland collector, Jim Blumenthal, and I used to make the trip yes. up to Seattle for for the show. And I just I met you. You were sitting behind a table. You had those 1976 Fred Meyer, uh, those black bordered local sets up for sale, and I walked up and saw you had a really nice large one. I started talking about it, and next thing you know, it comes up we we just started talking cards and every single card I brought up you knew about the Mayo set the this and, and finally I'm like who are you? It, it you know it's yeah it's like you know in the Princess Bride, you know, when uh you know when Inigo Montoya meets a six figure band says, Who are you? No one <laughs> Anyway. Uh so first I I forever remember and associate you with uh, my my dearly departed friend Jim Blumenthal and then the other is just yeah. how cool it was to meet you and uh and just talk to you and I was just so impressed with how how cool you were uh, and just how knowledgeable and how how open you were with sharing a lot of your knowledge uh that was my first introduction to you you you've uh it's my question kind of segueing in what what have you enjoyed about your collecting and and the hobby in general you know over the years no, thanks for those kind words, Joe. It, uh, like you said, we met uh, back at that Seattle show, and uh, and it was just fantastic meeting you. I, I'd heard about you, and uh, so that was that was fabulous. And like I said I, we we talked for <laughs> a good uh, chunk of time there that day, and had uh, had a great exchange. Mm-hmm. And 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 I think you know while I think the stuff you know our collection it's it's great, and the thrill of the chase you know is you know always ongoing. You know, to me, it's the people I've met over the years that I've enjoyed the most. You mentioned that sharing of knowledge and information, and I think, you know, it's real special among football collectors, and it goes back to the late Mm -hmm. 80s and the early 90s. I think it was phenomenal. You know, as I've mentioned in the past, Bob and I corresponded back and forth back back then on different hobby issues, and it's funny to think about it, but we did all that through the use of the phone and the good old U.S. mail. (laughs) (laughs) Rather than... (laughs) 
rather than sending scans or JPEGs, we sent photocopies. <laughs> Sometimes uh, in color. But, you know, the chance well, to have are, met... Those are the rare photocopies. Yeah, yeah. The chance, you know, to have met so many uh, collectors at shows, just like we did Joe over the years, has led for me to, to many long-term friendships. And, and some of my dearest friends, like Mark McRae from California and yeah. Keith Schneider up in the Seattle area, I've met through this hobby, and, and we're close. We still stay in touch. And, and, and like you said, Joe, that's, that's how we've met, and, uh, and I, I cherish those friendships. Really do. Mark McRae was set up next to you at that show, if I remember correctly. Oh yeah, we you know Mark and I go back to the early '90s. We used to go over when Kit Young. I don't know if you remember Bob had those <laughs> yeah. uh, shows over in Hawaii, and and back in the early night they were really uh, fun shows. I mean, it was a who's who of the hobby back over there, and that's where uh, Mark and uh, and mm-hmm. myself mm-hmm. and my wife and a couple other people, Ted Zenadakis was another one, kind of got together, and we've been friends, uh, you know, ever since. So mm-hmm. very cool. Wow. Mike, what was the most difficult set that you collected over the years? And in paralleling that, what is your favorite all-time items in your collection? Um, boy, uh, you know, there was a number of difficult sets. Uh, and I think, you know, I think I almost have to, you know, the ones that I completed, from the ones that I completed, I'd have to say that 69 Eskimo Pie issue is ranked yep. right near the okay. top. Uh-huh. It took me 20 years uh, plus to find the last panel that I needed. And I, I remember it was the Jim Nance, Billy Neighbors panel. I, I remember it so well because, you know, every want list I'd send out, you know, all the searches, everything was for that. And and uh, that was just a tough bugger to find. Um, you know, the 26 Spalding football player issue was another tough one, uh, especially if you start attacking the different, uh, you know, backs that you can find for Mm-hmm. From the mm-hmm. ad backs to the bio backs, um, then there are some sets. You know, I came pretty close. Um, you know, the like the '65 Cardinal Big Red biographies. From, you know, off the milk cartons. I think I was about wow. three short from completing that set. And, wow. and there was a number of undocumented mm-hmm. cards that uh, you know, were never listed in Beckett. So just a tough set, right along there with mm-hmm. the Fairmont Dairy Chiefs, the Jones Dairy Bills, Kelly's Potato what, what? Chip stickers. Where would you put like star player candy, you know, stuff like that up in there? I mean, oh. it's like you mentioned undocumented. I mean, there's so many, yeah. you know, cards in there. I would say, you know, one thing I, I really love the chasing those regional issues from the '60s, as you can see, and I would put star player mm-hmm. candy. It's in its own, it's in its own category. Um, you know, those cards from the late '20s. You know, it, it's so rare to even find a card anymore they're so seldom yeah. seen just really tough issue you know i i probably had maybe you know a dozen in, in, that i was able to you know find over the years i mean the, that tough yeah so my fascinating. Uh, you know uh, oh. go ahead bob go ahead joe mike oh. I, i'm just curious uh, did, did you have any idea how many actual sets you had in your collection number wise did you ever imagine you know, them that way you know, I well, I inventoried them. I never, I never got a, did a count on them though. <laughs> I, I'll have to go back and do I'm that because I still I'm have just, the old sheets. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just curious if you ever, you know, I had 368 different sets or whatever, you know, that type of thing. 
Yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know, and that was the thing with me. I was definitely a, a, a set collector, probably first and foremost. It's it's kind of funny how you know you kind of gravitate to right. to different right. parts of that, and uh, and uh, I, I'll have to go through and 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 see what I can come up with there. That's a great question, Bob. Bob, you'd also ask right. favorite all time item in my collection, or and you know. I, I get, you know, once again, I get asked that question quite a bit as well, and I always would would come up with, you know, the, I love the '59 Bazooka football set, one of my all-time favorites, um, and, and there were some others. But you know, when I think of, you know, this item, not necessarily card, um, um, I, I kind of go in a different route, and and when uh, I packed up my collection for you know, MSB sports cards and BST auctions to haul off. Um, there was just a handful of football items I kept, you know, uh, behind. And one of those items was a football statue or, or statuette, as they were known back uh, in the late 1800s, called football, done by a sculpture, sculptor excuse me, by the name of John Rogers. And I actually wrote an article uh, about the work of John Rogers specific to this football sculpture in, I think it was issue 18 of Gridiron Greats magazine. So... Anybody ever goes back, they can read the article on that. Anyway, my good friend Keith Schneider, who owns Gasoline Alley up in Seattle, he invited me over to his house uh, back in the late '80s, and and he had a bunch of you know football memorabilia on display in his house. It's you know fantastic display at his home, and he had one of these John Rogers football sculptures. And when I saw it, you know, I mean, I just fell for that piece. I you know said someday I need to find that you know one of those for myself. And a number of years later, when the Ducat collection uh, came up for auction, one hmm. of the lots was a John Rogers football sculpture, and I was, you know, fortunate enough to to win that item. And it's a, you know still a centerpiece in my sports room. And and as the story goes, you know, many times Rogers would use family members as models for his work. Well, the football statue was modeled after Rogers' three sons and the captain of the Yale football team at that time, who was named William Herbert Corbin, better known as mm-hmm. Pa Corbin, you know, a legendary early football star who was one of the, mm-hmm. actually one of the first players to use hand signals in a game. And wow. Roger's sons had attended Yale along with Corbin and were documented to post for the, as the subjects for that sculpture. So it's, just, it's a neat historical piece to me and just gorgeous. How rare are those? How, you know, I've, how, only how seen a hand, I've only seen a handful of them, you know, um, through the years, I mean, probably no more than, you know, five or six. Uh, and the one I, wow. you know, uh, have is is in just fantastic shape because normally you find them in, in pretty rough shape. Uh, but uh, just a fantastic piece. Hmm. I was going to ask you what your favorite thing was. I mean, because people used to ask me that all the time. And I always explain them like there's a difference between what my favorite item is and what my most expensive item is. Uh, and <laughs> exactly. they're often they're often not the same. That's uh, very true. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. My favorite thing is you know an autographed Steve Largent card my sister gave me for Christmas in 1998. That kickstarted me back into the hobby. I mean that that looking at that, that one card, I, I I remember crying when I got it, and uh, and it totally reintroduced me back into the hobby. That's my favorite thing. So, uh, That's curious. Awesome. I mean, you've 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 been around. You've been around for you know since way way longer than me. And I've always tipped my hat to collectors <laughs> like you who blaze the path for us uh, for us new guys. Uh, do you have any unique collecting stories? I mean, you know, you've bumped into all kinds of you know different personalities over the years. 
You know, and I, I I really have, and uh, and it, and sometimes it's been a cast of characters. Uh, um, <laughs> back in I don't know, Joe, if you you weren't collecting in the early '90s, and and it was, it was kind of neat in Seattle. There was uh, a number of of shows that you know were larger regional shows uh, that they were mm-hmm. putting on up in the Bellevue area. That you probably heard about the Bellevue shows in the early '90s. And they were able to bring, you know, a lot of the big dealers, you know, like uh, Mr. Mint uh, and Mastro would come in, uh, all the all the big wigs. And, and I can remember, you know, uh, even meeting uh, an individual named Alan Hager one time came out and set up at that show. And, and he's a little notorious wow. in the hobby. And I can remember the first show that they did, you were talking earlier about large rookie cards. And Bob was mentioning not being able to find them on the East Coast. Well, a good friend of mine, Don Nemi and myself, we had dealers from the East Coast, and we t- would have them, you know, find as many large rookies as they could, and then ship them to us. And we would we would come into a show, and I remember that first Bellevue show. We must have had, you know, several hundred, you know, large rookie cards. I never counted how many they were, and we sold out of them the first night. Yeah, we sold all wow. those largent rookies. I mean, it it was fascinating. So that's why they were so hard to find. We were we were importing them. <laughs> <laughs> well, who would have so known? Story, <laughs> the second but, uh, story I can relate to the shortage of largent rookies here on the East Coast. <laughs> my my friend Mike Blaisdell and his partner cornered the market. Wow! Yeah, and then, I never heard that. And then Mike. fast forward wow. about. Fast, fast forward about 15 years, and I cornered it again. <laughs> you sure did. You, you won up this, though. You, you really did. Yeah, I think so, yeah. I That's think fantastic. I still, I, I think I still have probably 900 larger rookie cards in my collection. Oh, my goodness. Uh, so wow. Some of them probably I, passed through here. <laughs> yeah, probably. I, I, I used to have, I, I, I used to watch the population of, like, the PSA 9s and PSA 8s. I mean, at one point, I think there were like, you know, 60 PSA 9s, and I owned 45 of them. Uh, you know, it was ridiculous. Oh, man, yeah. So, I know. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah it was bad. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was I have bad. Another, it's pretty bad. <laughs> I have another little story, too, and it's it doesn't really involve any hobby names. But, you know, for me, it kind of explains how I was back in the uh, – in the mid to late 80s, uh, you know, I mentioned I kept a few items from my collection, and there was one other uh, item that I uh, kept that means something to me. And it was basically it was a set of Chiquita Banana NFL stickers from the early 70s, and it was this mail-in you know sticker premium that had all the little helmets of the teams. You know, kind of a pretty cool right. item. Seldom seen right. back then. Right. You know, I can remember you know as a kid you know growing up and making sure my mom bought the bananas at the store just so I could get those NFL stickers. Uh, you know, great <laughs> memories there. So a little backstory is back in the 80s, I subscribed to the SCD just like everybody else. You know, it was really our source for, you know, sports cards, uh, you know, and memorabilia sure, other sure. than shows. And for a couple of years, I would see an item I was interested in, and I'd get on the phone, I'd call and, and find out it had been sold several days prior. And I'm like, how does this keep happening? Well, since, uh, you know, uh, what I found out uh, was by the time I got my SCD here on the West Coast, most of the U.S. had already had their SCD for several days. <laughs> so learning from that, I was one of these crazy guys. I had my SCD subscription sent to me next day mail. 
I, I think it cost, that. it cost me like seven hundred dollars wow. a year to have that service, but wow. I mean it, it really paid off because I was able to get the jump on all the ads. So anyway, back to this the story on this sticker panel. So this has been April of eighty nine. <laughs> I received my SCD and I found this Chiquita banana set was offered for sale by the sports collector store out of the Chicago area. I knew those guys, Pat Quinn, Don Steinbeck, you know, great guys. I bought a lot of stuff from over the years. Well, um, and it was advertised for like 25 bucks. So they opened at 10 a.m. Pacific the next day, so I'd planned to call them first thing the next morning. Well, at the same time, my wife was pregnant with our daughter. And that next morning, she went into labor. And so as we're getting ready to head to the hospital, it's just a little bit before 10, so I tell my wife, I said, hey, I need to make a phone call at 10. <laughs> oh, my God. So she's I love anxiously waiting. I called Pat Quinn at the sports collector store and, and I said, hey, is this available? And he says, oh, yeah. And I said, well, can you put a hold on it for me? I'll send you off a check. She's like, no problem. Well, needless to say, as I turn around and I see my wife, you know, staring daggers through me, <laughs> she'd overheard that call. And trust me, she was not very happy. And, and I'm still reminded of this story several times a year. So that that item I kept behind. You know, the good news is my daughter was born later that evening. The good news is my daughter was born later that evening. And uh, and she will one day have that Chiquita banana sticker set. <laughs> awesome! I was just gonna say that's something you gotta. That's awesome! I love that. Yeah. Well done. I, I will I will think about that anytime I see one of those for sale and, and just buy them <laughs> randomly now. Thinking yeah. about them, Mike. I'm gonna I'm gonna put you on the spot right now. This is off the script. Do you remember okay. what the first thing, first card item I bought from you? Back in the probably the early 1990s, and I, I want to tell the listening audience, Mike was one of our original subscribers to my old newsletter, which ran from wow. 1992 to 19, 1999, Bob Swick's Football Times, which oh, yeah. was my response to being canned from SCD when they had the big turnover there, and I stopped right. writing for them. But um, yeah, I want to put you on the spot if you remember, because I just oh, remember goodness. what well, it was. Well, the neat thing is I still have all those newsletters because I'm one of those guys I save all this correspondence. They're rare. And, and, and I, I, yes, They're rare. I'm, I'm worried to see them go out to auction, though. That's the only thing. <laughs> you know, I kept those. Always, I kept a lot of my hobby them. stuff behind. Yeah, my hobby newsletters and stuff from the years, I did keep those behind because I really enjoy that part of the mm-hmm. hobby, too. But back to your question, what did I sell you? Was it some type of a tops insert or something? Oh, you got it. You got it. I, I bought the 75 checklist set from you complete with the top newsletter with it. Oh, that's that came right. That. That's and I was right. looking for that newsletter more so than the check. I had some of the checklist cards already, but I got the. it was nice because I got the sheet, and then I ended up collecting the cut set of them. But I really wanted that newsletter because I had never, never seen it. So, Mike, that's you great. got that correct. That is a good memory, now to I'm, say the least. No. So Mike, I got my uh, I got my spam email from the boys at BSP. Their upcoming yeah. auction opens, I think, on Saturday. Uh, any insight? Uh, what are some really cool things that uh, that you've got coming up in this auction that we can look forward to seeing? Well, there's some really you know uh, neat items. I, I think probably the for me the, those Overland candy um, wrappers. Yeah. I think there's Sammy Bond. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. A, uh, you know a former Heisman winner former University of Washington player. I mean there's there's just some really neat players there and I'm um I'm really excited to see, you know, 
those those hit the block, so to speak. I think that there's also uh, going to be some fabulous display boxes um, from the 50s and 60s. It's the back always behind the Overland Candy. I'm, I'm very, you know, most of the stuff that I know about this old esoteric stuff I learned from Andy Becker calling me and bending my yeah. ear for an hour. Well, it's, a, it's interesting about the Overland Candy. I, I had, um, oh boy, uh, this would have been sometime in the in the 90s. I had found a, a, a candy box, display box for Overland Candy. It had a football player. It looked like a Grange type image of it, booting a, a ball, and it was you know football, you know, a surprise in every wrapper. And so um, I always knew that there had to be something to that. And of course, we're all familiar, uh, or most of us are anyway, um, uh, with the baseball Overland candy wrappers. Mm-hmm. So one day, this, these came up on eBay. And um, there was the guy had three of them, I think, if I remember right, the Sammy Baugh, uh, you know, was definitely one of them. And, and I, I won them in the auction. And I can remember uh, after I, I got them, I, I messaged back, hey, received them, they're fantastic. Can you tell me where you got these? And the guy says, well, I got them from my, I think it was his late uncle's estate or, or something like that. And his uncle had been uh, in player personnel with the Los Angeles Rams and another team. You know, that was, you know, his career. So, but he says, and that's all, but that's all I know about these. And so, um, you know, I, I still have, you know, it's where did these things come from? Because it's just been a handful that have ever been, you know, at least documented uh, in the hobby. And, uh, you know, and it, you know why are they so scarce? <laughs> yeah, for example, always a Mike, good, always a any, good question. I'm I'm curious where where do you think the hobby is going to be? Let's say ten years from now. I, I ask Wait, questions hop- for, for, from a lot of people and for a lot of people, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are, if any. You know, it's a question I remember being asked 10 years ago and, and even 10 years before that, you know, and it, what I'm always amazed with is how quickly 10 years goes by. Um, I mean, it yeah. really goes fast. And I, I think we all naturally, we all gravitate, uh, you know, to our, our pastime hobbies, you know, after we kind of settle down and have the yeah. disposable income to spend on our hobbies. And I, you know, I don't think that dynamic's going to change. Um, you know, there's a lot of discussion about, you know, some of the, the younger you know, kids, you know, coming up and, 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 you know, what are they, you know, what are they going to do? Are they going to collect? Like I said, and I know there's a lot of hobbies. I, I have Triumph sports cars too, that I, that I uh, have collected over the years and, and sports car clubs are, you know, where are we going to find younger, you know, younger, you know, people that want to collect the cars. And so that's a, you know, it's a, it's a good question, but, you know, with fo- the football hobby, you know, I'm amazed how it's continued to grow over the last heck, even five years. You know, I'm seeing yeah. more and more new collectors. You know, you know that are starting to more specialize into different football um, uh, realms, and it's great to see. So, I, you know, I I'm, I guess I'm really optimistic. I, I think that uh, you know, there's the group of football collectors will be larger, but you know, it's definitely going to be more specialized. They're going to have a focus on a certain part of it, whether it's you know graded material, whether it's programs, uh, whether it's ticket stubs, whether it's Sets, cards, pre-war, the history of the game. I, I do think that uh, it's going to continue to grow. I think it varies. I used to be a set collector, and at some point, you know, I just see, I, I started collecting really cool, you know, uh, 
you know, ticket stubs and programs and photographs. And, you know, next thing you know, I, I really started migrating to that. And I think you're spot yeah. on. My, people will collect things and then their interest will peak. They'll hit a plateau kind of like you did. Sure. Uh, you know, off ago. You know, there used to be a guy on LPS whose signature line was, you know, we don't own these cards. We just borrow them for a certain amount of time. And then we, and then we release them back into the wild or something like that. And, uh, that always that always really put a smile on my face. He's kind of right. Yeah, you know, it's it's so true. It is so true, and uh, and that uh, I I feel honored to have been been part of that process. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think inevitably in any any hobby, there's always going to be specialist collectors, and in in the same light, there's going to be generalized collectors. And I know my I have to place you in a generalized collector. Uh, area because you have so many different things from so many different areas. It, it's, it's such a unique collection to say the least. Right. And uh, it just you know it it, it basically it, it has always amazed me what you've collected over the years. And I'm just you know to, to bring it up to auction at this time. I just think it's so so unique, so special, and it's uh, will be in my opinion the big football card and memorabilia hobby story of 2017 is, is the disbursement of a large part of your collection and what yeah. it will actually realize in the market, which I know you're not worried about, but I think a lot of people are right. very interested in seeing what a lot of things are going to go for. You know, that's inevitable yeah. in, in this kind of situation. I mean, yeah. it will be the market. I mean, these, some of these things are so, uh, they're so rare I mean, it will be the market, uh, you know, it's, and it's, yeah, I'm curious to see where they go too. Cause I mean, it comes down to like you and Carl are two of the more advanced collectors in our hobby, you know, for football. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm glad to see you sticking around because, uh, you know, the kind of knowledge you have, you know, spanning three decades worth of collecting or more is, uh, you know, you just, the, the hobby needs. So I'm, I'm glad you're sticking around. Oh, that's, that's great, Mike. Well. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah. And I'll be in Chicago at the National this year. I'm look, already looking forward to it. So, yeah, yeah I, you can't get rid of me yeah. that easily. <laughs> yeah, ditto. Ditto. I'll be there, too. So. But, uh, well, I'm, sure, I'm sure we'll see you at the, uh, at the couch behind the BST, uh, you know, behind the BST bench. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> Most definitely. I am sure we'll be breaking bread in Chicago, and we'll be, we'll be talking more. And again, I, I give you a lot of credit for your decision. Uh, it's a decision I have put off many occasions, and uh, it just gives me something to think about again uh, with regards to what happens to a collection when some of it has to go one way or the other. And I think yeah. you made a really good move, a wise decision, and it's uh, it's good to see you going and going back into the hobby. And it'll be very interesting to see who gets what as uh, the dust settles. Over the next few sure Yeah, very Mike, good. Thank, well, thank you so you, Bob. much for being on the show. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. it. Uh, thank you both. Thank you, Joe. It was great talking with you guys. And we'll, we'll see you, you soon. You too, Mike. Okay. See you, buddy. Alrighty. Bye. We'll, we'll get caught up in Chicago. Thanks. Mike Buzdell, the uh, incredible collection that's going to be coming to the market and BSC auction over the next few auctions. And uh, what a tale to tell. And again, I definitely feel old doing a show like this after talking to Mike, bringing back a lot of memories for me from the, going back to the 70s going to shows and 80s going to the shows. And I know something I always talked about in the past, I would go to a card show and I would ask dealers, do you have any football cards? 
they would look at me funny or they would go underneath the table. <laughs> there would be a cheese box. So they'd give me five bucks for it. So I would buy these closed cheese boxes not having any clue what was in them. And I would just go home and keep sorting them and keep sorting them. And uh, uh, that's how uh, a collection began way back when. Yeah. And when football got red hot, every frustrated baseball card dealer became an expert in football cards all of a sudden. And I, I just found <laughs> that whole section pretty amazing at the same time. So I kind of, I, I guess I wrote out a lot of different storms over the years in my hobby. And uh, yeah. I, I didn't really you change got- one way or the other. Well, look at I mean, you know here here we have Mike Blaisdell, super collector on. I I I rank you right up in there. I mentioned Carl. I mean you know it's you know you know is it, a super collector. Mike, I was held up on a pedestal uh, just because you know how open he is about things. You know I, I, you're up there. I mean you 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 know one of your first sets you've opened 1965 tops. I mean before I was born, there's a young you yep. know Bob Swick. Of course I imagine you having the mustache, but I mean, a young Bob Swick, you know, <laughs> ripping open 65 tops. Uh, so, I mean, these are, you, you can't, yeah, this is irreplaceable knowledge. And not to mention just how involved you are in the hobby. I mean, you know, from being a publisher to, you know, the owner of a podcast. I mean, this is this is giving back to the hobby that you love. So, uh, well, that's, I always that's a whole other aspect. I'm a, big, I'm a big believer, and I, and I harp on this all the time, you know, if we don't, if we don't educate people about the hobby, there's not going to be a hobby in the future. And as far as I'm concerned, football cards have been around for a heck of a long time, and they're still being printed, and they're still being bought and sold. So yeah, yeah. to nurture the hobby, you know, the more collectors we can bring in, the more knowledge we bring to the to the hobby, the, the better the hobby becomes in the future. And I think I think that was a big source of my frustration when Sports Collectors Digest back in 1991, uh, they went through a big upheaval. And they basically cleared cleared house as far as writers were concerned. And I, I wrote for them from roughly 1980 to 1991. And I, I usually had once a month one or two articles on oddball football cards. And I started writing about football publications, so on and so forth. And when, when they when they canned the football people, I said to myself, well, okay, so what's the hobby now? So there's no more football? Is that what they're telling us type of thing? And uh, to me, that was more of the beginning of the end for them because – they started to contract more and more. And to this day, you know, I don't read it anymore. Very few people read that SCD. And uh, I started my newsletter, and it was quasi-successful for the first few years. And I kept it going for seven years. And then uh, I transitioned into when uh, Frank uh, started Gridiron Greats Magazine. I, I wrote for him in the beginning and then took over the publication. So, you know, to me, there has to be an outlet. There has to be... Uh, yeah. a, a way for people to understand about the hobby. I mean, you know what I'm saying. I'm sure, and I'm, most of our listeners know know the same thing. And I think that's that's an important aspect of the hobby. One quick hobby story that came to my mind while Mike was talking uh, years ago, back in the '80s, I used to run a little ad, a blurb ad in the local paper, buying football cards. And um, I had a kid call me. I've had a kid. This is a guy in his twenties. He says, uh, I got a box of football cards. If you got any baseball cards, I'll just trade you for them. I said, okay. So he comes over to my house. He's got a TV-sized box filled with football cards. So I said to the kid, the guy, I said, I, I, I can't possibly trade you what I got. He says, listen, I just want to get rid of them. They're a combination of mine and my brother's. I just want to get rid of them. I said, well, let me go through them and let me, let me at least value them for you. 
And uh, he said, no, 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 I'm done, I'm done. So I had whatever I had. I had two, I, I, I distinctly remember, two white binders full of baseball cards for whatever reason, star cards, nothing there. So I said, well, let me give you these two albums, and I'll throw some cash in. And he said, no, 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 just take it, take it. And I and I just I went through the box, and it was like looking at a history of football cards roughly from 1970 to 1986. It was just an amazing box to go through, and I, and I still remember that 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 phone call. I still I distinctly remember the whole situation again, and it was just it's just an amazing part mm. of it. You know, the lore of the hobby over the years. Type of thing. Yeah, for that to happen, well, today, you've got story. It'll be pretty rare. Well, you've got you stories know? about being at shows where you know where uh, you know people would come in with collections of baseball and, and football, try and sell them the dealers. And the dealers would take the baseball and then just want to, and you'd find, you know, them dumping football cards in the dumpster behind the show. Uh, you know, they just, right. it was it was just a necessary evil. I mean, this is, you know, and then you think about how far along football is now. I mean, and the, you yeah. have weathered many storms. I mean, I, I feel lazy. I feel like I'm riding on a lot of, you know, the shoulders of giants here. Uh, I didn't, you know, I got back into collecting in '99 and. You know, and then it took me a while to even find TSA, the CU boards, or eBay. Uh, so, I mean, I hear stories about having to, you know, next day air your, you know, you, you know, your catalog mm-hmm. out, or you know, this, or you know, mailing color copies of things and stuff. And I just, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, I, I tip of the hat, you know, to the people who paved the, you know, paved the path before me. So, you know, it's amazing. All right, uh, we're done. We are in a yeah. two-minute warning, Joe. I'm going to hand it off to you. What did, you, what did we learn tonight, on tonight's show? I, I, I had uh, goosebumps talking to Mike just from the first time I met him. I mean, uh, you know, you, you knew you knew Blumenthal, you know, Jim Blumenthal, a very dear yeah, friend of mine, yeah, lived yeah, in Portland. Yeah, yeah. He and I used to go up to that carpool and go up to that show, you know, a couple times. Yeah. And, you know, when we went to nationals, we'd get the same flight and compare cards. We were submitting the PSA on, you know, at the airport. But, uh yeah, that was the first time I met Mike, and I just remember how impressed I was, how classy he is. And uh, every time I speak to him, he mm-hmm. just reinforces that. Just, uh, uh, yeah, just, yeah, classy, very, you know, very classy man. So I've always dug that and respected that about him. He is he's definitely a, a football card and memorabilia hobby icon. And uh, I got, I'm a little choked up today because it, it's it's really, you know, Truly, truly happening. That that collection was going to the market, going to auction, and um, a yeah. great collection is going to be broken up. And uh, you know, it's it's. I don't know. I, I got mixed feelings today because it is something to me that is inevitable. And uh, in a way, I should be rejoicing, but in a way, I'm pretty sad because I I, I really know what went into that collection for him to collect it, the time, the effort, the uh, the searches, and the like. You know, there was a lot of a lot of uh, great strides were made to get what he got, and uh, I, I'm happy to see it going. And in a way, I'm very sad to see it go at the same time. But that's just my that's great way. Just me, that's great way to put it. With regards, you know. So, uh, but again, uh, I'll, I'll be glad to see him in uh, the national. I'll be glad to see you we'll get caught up on everything again. And uh, we've got less than a minute. Any other thoughts, Joe? Yeah, you know, and it, it's it's interesting. When I started collecting Hall of Fame rookie cards, I mean, there are guys like Mosh, you know, in Fightful DC, you know, who came before me. And Mosh was Greg Ole the third. He lived in Chicago. 
museum of sports history was Mosh, and he was just he was kind of and eventually you know people didn't like Mosh because he uh-huh. you, you know he collect, he was a, he was a purchaser not a collector he wasn't good for, right. he didn't care about the hobby he just collected uh right. when he went down right. you know for uh you know for tax evasion fraud i forget when there was a lot of people who silently clapped and uh you know so such a such a difference between it, that and, and and this so yeah. very true all right we're out, we're out of time i want to thank everybody for listening tonight and we'll be back at the end of the month with another show joe thanks for being on tonight and we'll see everybody always later. a pleasure Captain. thanks for being on Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, Here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Do you wish you knew more about the 100 seasons of the NFL? You're in luck because you found the Football History Dude podcast, where each episode is a journey back in time to learn about the rich history of the NFL. From the founding of the league in an auto showroom, all the way to what it is today, America's favorite sport and a behemoth of an industry. My name is Ernie Chapman. Football is my passion, and I want you to come along with me each week to explore the yesteryear of the gridiron. So hop on board, my DeLorean, and let's get this baby up to 88 miles per hour. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.